Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. Okay, I am Rachel Woody. I'm here with Rich Cushman. We're at Viento Wines, and it is June 13th. And my first question for you, Rich, is why wine? Why wine is a good question for me. Um, I studied at Oregon State University, and after I got my degree, I was working in an agricultural chemistry lab one summer with friends, and they said, hey, Rich, let's take a, let's do a wine tasting class. We did it last year, and it was a lot of fun. And I knew what uh, Cabernet or Chenin Blanc was, something like that, a little bit about wine, but I had a blast doing this wine tasting class. It was in the Experimental College in 1977, yes, at uh, Oregon State. And uh, it was wonderful. And the next year, or spring, I went to grad school in Indiana. I wanted to get back to the West Coast after a winter in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what can I do? And I was doing science in the lab, in the library instead of in the lab. And so I uh, applied to UC Davis because the wine had really captured me. I read everything I could. I enjoyed tasting all the time and the experience of the class. It was wonderful. And it kind of got me hooked. I had the science background from Oregon State. I'd done a little bit of, of wood carving and wood sculpture back in the day and uh, so I think I had an underlying artistic bent maybe too mm -hmm. and the wine just brought it all together and I enjoyed the science of the winemaking from Davis but I appreciate the art aspect too and it's been a great ride ever since then. So in the following summer, summer 1978, I actually taught the class in the experimental college because the instructor had moved on to UC Davis. And I caught up with her there. And we kept tasting wine in the group there. Yeah. So what happened after that? I know that you've been involved in a lot of different wineries in a lot of different areas mm -hmm. in Oregon. Well, um, I was at Davis through 1980, and then I uh, got a job at Dr. Birkeland Wolf in Germany. Four years of high school German at Weiss High School in Hood River helped me a lot, and class at Oregon State in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And um, the Rieslings were the first wines I fell in love with, too. Mm -hmm. And so I, was, I loved going to Germany. I worked there, I came back, and had a couple job opportunities, one in the central coast of California and the other in Oregon. And I chose to stay in Oregon. I'm a Hood River boy. I'm a proud Northwesterner. This is where I fit. And it's, it's been that way since. So uh, I worked in 1981 vintage at uh, Knutson E. Rath Winery. Fred Arterberry and I were the crew that year. And we had a great time. I lived in uh, a tree house on the vineyard property until the windows blew out in a, a Halloween storm. And wow. we used to go to the swimming pool in Newburgh to get clean and look forward to taco night at the marshes, or the Marsh Red Barn, mm -hmm. um, every Friday. And it was great. After that, uh, after that crush, I got the job as winemaker for Chateau Benoit, and I've 
discontinued. I've sort of marched I, for a while. I had a four-year history career with Chateau Benoit. Then I went to Laurel Ridge. While I was at Laurel Ridge, I helped get Cooper Mountain Vineyards started and Edgefield Winery and Flynn Vineyards. So I've been directly involved with 21 wineries getting started in the state of Oregon. And almost all of them, there are a couple exceptions that are, are still in business and, and doing well. And a lot of people I've worked with, that's, that's been remarkably fun too. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's quite a career. You could almost say you have a Midas touch with it. Oh, no. no? <laughs> the, Midas, the Midas touch involves creating some gold. You know, we're creating some nice wines. But yeah, I, I, I love what I do. I love the creative aspects. And that's what really keeps me going. And it's been a good career, and it's going to continue. You know, my son Peter wants to take over. Um, he's making a couple of our wines now. His younger brother, Joe, uh, farms our vineyard for us and other vineyards here in the gorge. So it, it's just awesome having, I mean, this is a family business mm -hmm. and it, it's, it's wonderful that way. So talk to me about the creation of Viento wines. When I, Viento started when I came back from Germany in um, June of 1981. Um, I was visiting uh, with uh, Charles Henderson, who had uh, engine wine cellars, I think that was even before he called it Model Lease Vineyard, mm -hmm. and he wanted to hear, and he's in White Salmon, Washington, and he wanted to uh, hear about my experience in Germany, and we talked for quite a while, and at the end of our talk he said, well you know I have all these Riesling left over, I planted my field, would you like them? And I said, sure. Um, where we're sitting, my vineyard uh, it's been family property since I was a little boy. We had a, we used to keep a cow down here and a horse and then we turned it into a softball field for the neighborhood for a while. Uh, a little bit of uh, bushland golf was played there. Um, but it was just sort of sitting there. And so it's a, a modest site, marginal maybe. But Riesling is a tough grape, and I'm in love with Riesling, and I said for sure. So in, in June of 1981, I planted, with the help of a few friends and family, all of these vines, uh, the first uh, 13 rows. We've expanded five more rows in 2008, just to round out the, the site. Mm. And, and that's, and uh, we called it Columbia Gorge Vineyard when we planted it. My dad thought maybe we should call it Phelps Creek Vineyard because Phelps Creek runs along the back of it here. But no, I, li I like the Columbia Gorge for the name. And then uh, as we farmed it, we thought, you know, what am I going to do with the grapes? And I was working at Laurel Ridge Winery in 1986. We had a modest harvest off here and we brought the grapes to Laurel Ridge and I made my first vintage of Viento wine. And Viento just seemed to be the natural name. Mm. The wind here, it's prettier than Cushman, and it, it fits. It's a sense of this place and the feel, the movement, the wind that we get here. And that's where Viento came from. Uh, a little bit more about Viento. We, we did Viento from uh, 1986 through 1993. And then as our kids were young and growing up, we're making basically a Riesling and uh, a sparkling wine. And I would be out at 
you know, pouring wine in a supermarket on a Saturday or something, and, and it just wasn't working that well. So we put it on, put it to bed for a little while. And then in 1999, we were on a vacation, and Peter on a ski lift said, well, I might want to be a winemaker. And that was uh, January 1999. So we brought Viento back with Pinot Noir, uh, Sangiovese and Viognier and Syrah the next year mm -hmm. and made a commitment to just bring it back and, and go full speed ahead again with Viento. And you have this beautiful tasting room too that you're going to open soon. Yes, next week. Next, next week. week. It looks like we'll have our occupancy permit and it's been an interesting journey with the Hood River County and Hood River City and but uh, this has been just a long time dream. Mm -hmm. um, my dad I uh, thought we should put a winery down here, but I was young and foolish and poo-pooed that idea. But it took, you know, mm -hmm. the idea of having our own place. Viento's, you know, been around for a long time, but we've never had our own tasting room. We've rented space or shared space with others, and that's been really good. We've had a lot of helpful people along the way. Mm. but. Uh, this is a realization of a dream. This, this property, um, we want to introduce people to Hood River and the Gorge and let them experience Viento in, in our own style, in our own way. It's, it, it's a family project. My brother-in-law is the architect who designed it. His name is Joe McRitchie. Um, it's been an ordeal to build it. We've, it's, no partners or anything like that. It's me and the bank, um, but uh, we're, get, we're there, we're there. So it's, it's exciting. I can't wait to have people in here enjoying our wines. Congratulations. Thanks, thank you. Where do you see it going? <clears throat> do you, you know, beyond the tasting room, have you had a chance to, to think that far or where well, Peter might take it next? Yeah, we've, I've been in the wine business quite a while and I've, I've seen big wineries, small micro wineries, medium-sized wineries and I think the most important thing for a family winery is to sell their wine direct to customers and that's what we want to do here. We've been through distribution in-state, out-of-state, across the country with our wines and then other wines I've worked with. I don't think that works well for a winery of our size. We make about 2,500 cases of wine a year, and we'll try to sell um, almost all of that right here and to our wine club members. And we also have a really loyal uh, base of restaurants here in the Gorge. We do a lot of wine for weddings. Um, it, it's, this is a really nice place to be. Hood River is remarkable. It's such a destination. I've worked in other parts of Oregon and you know, a little time in Europe, and and I, I think the grapes here are as, in the gorge are as good as anywhere. Mm. We have, you know, we're not starting from a modest base and trying to build a, a wine culture. We've got, we've got the potential for absolute world-class wines here, and uh, and then we've got hiking and kiteboarding and bike riding and great restaurants and coffee shops and everything we need in this little town. It's and it's such a beautiful place. It's four seasons skiing, all that. So it's a great place to be. Um, I think uh, Peter and Joe will take this business a long way. Uh, Peter makes a couple of the wines now. 
Um, but I'm not ready to give it up, not by any means, not by any means. We'll, so we'll see how that, you know, continues in the future as it, as it develops. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You touched on it a little bit, but I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on how do you market the wine from this region? Um, some of my other conversations, it's, you know, Oregon is known for Pinot Noir, and yet it's so much more than that. So what have, in your experience, has been sort of the, the marketing strategies, or what would you advocate for that? Um, we're in a unique position in the gorge, and it's somewhat akin to southern Oregon, I, I think, but in that here on the west side of the gorge, we do beautifully with a cool climate grapes. My Riesling, Pinot Gris, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Gruner Veltliner. Um, and then as we progress five miles east to Mosier and 20 miles east to the Dalles or Dallesport areas, we grow from 45 inches of rain to 10 inches of rain. And when Viento was starting, starting I used to drive to Walla Walla, the Tri-Cities, um, Southern Oregon, in search of ripe Syrah and Grenache and Viognier, and we don't do that anymore. We go 35 miles from here for one way for the, our farthest grapes. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's really unique being able to do that. As a winemaker, it presents me with the opportunity to really get grapes from where they grow best. I'm, I'm not interested in Pinot Noir from the Dalles. I'm not interested in Tempranillo from Underwood Mountain. And we've talked to people and a lot of people have stopped planting that up there. You know, this side of the gorge isn't central Spain. That side of the gorge might be. And uh, Riesling is, is a, a tough grape, a you know, a, a sturdy, hardy grape. And so it's a wonderful one to work with. So as far as marketing goes, I think it's, it's just we need to have people experience the gorge and see there are so many different things we do here. And we just want to see them try all the different wines that go with those different things. You know, they might be kiteboarding one day and sitting on a beach or walking a forest trail the next. And we'd probably have a, you know, a pink wine for while you're kiteboarding and a bottle of wine for a Pinot Noir or something by the fireside after, uh, after your hike, mm -hmm. something like that. I love your tagline, Born in the Gorge, because mm -hmm. not only is that, of course, your heritage, but it sounds like the heritage of your grapes. And the grapes, uh, me, the winery, the wind, yeah, mm -hmm. it all comes from right here. This is, this is where my home is and my heart is and my family is. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, it's, it's just very meaningful being here. We lived in uh, McMinnville for about 25 years when kids were growing up and going to school. Um, my wife was a teacher and still is. Today's her last day of school for this year in second grade. Um, and uh, so it, it's just wonderful being here. After, the, after our boys were out of, uh, out of high school, we decided that, yeah, we could take a take a shot and move to Hood River and follow my dream. And I give Robin all, you know, all the credit for supporting me on that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. The other thing, uh, family-wise, that a lot of people don't know is that um, my wife is Robin uh, McRitchie Cushman, and her father, Bob McRitchie, was the first winemaker for Sokol Blosser Winery. 
and also for, and then he moved from Sokol Blosser to uh, Willamette Valley Vineyards when they were first being built. So, whereas I'm a, you know, Peter's a second generation winemaker for me, but if you go back to his, his grandfather, he's a third generation in the wine business. Right, so it's no kind of cool. it. uh -huh. yeah. Uh -huh. And the, and the lifestyle sort of gets ingrained in the kids, you know. And yeah, it's, it's a nice life. And uh, they've, they've enjoyed it, I think. And yeah, so, and they're, they're continuing it seemingly happily. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd love to ask you, because you've been in the area and in the business for a while, who some of the earlier winemakers or grape growers are for this area? You know, we spoke of Charles Henderson. Mm -hmm. Um, were you familiar with some of the others? Yes. Let me, I've got a couple notes. Wonderful. And uh, um, so Chuck Henderson was one of the first people I connected with. Another was Cliff Blanchett, mm -hmm. who had Hood River Vineyards, which was just up the road. It still is. It's under a different ownership now. Um, uh, Cliff planted grapes, I believe, in 1975. His son still runs the Hood River Glass Shop here. He got the tabletops oh, wow. from him. And you know, there are all these little family connections. Uh, I know uh, Cliff released his first wines in 1982. Uh, yeah, and he planted in, in 75 or 78. We planted this in 1981 with vines from Chuck Henderson. Um, Celilo Vineyard, uh, Rick Ensminger, uh, over in Underwood Mountain was planted in 72, um, Hood River Vineyards, uh, Don Graves in Dallasport, I mean, is, is one I uh, was reminded of that I'd sort of neglected when I gave an overview of Gorge history to a group uh, not long ago. Uh, Lonnie Wright, of course. Um, and Lonnie was, you know, I, I went to grad school at Indiana and Lonnie's from Indiana and it's sort of funny. We never knew each other until quite some time later, but uh, yeah. So he came out and I think he planted in 1982 his, his own vines and, you know, these were barely struggling along in 1981. Um, I helped um, uh, Ridge Vineyard in Dallasport, Dennis and Becky Beeks. Um, planted their grapes in 1993, Syrah, and I worked with their first vintage in 1995 at Edgefield Winery. I helped the McMenamins set up there, and I still work with Edgefield to this day uh, in a much smaller role. But So there, there's a lot of continuity in history. Um, when I was looking to move back to Hood River, I had the opportunity to help uh, start Pheasant Valley Winery. Mm -hmm. um, that was in 2003. We made wines under a custom crust arrangement in the Willamette Valley and brought the wines up here to Hood River in winter of 2004. Um, I would commute from McMinnville to Hood River regularly and stay up here in my family's house and mm -hmm. work for a few days and, and head back down to McMinnville and do the jobs there. Uh, there have been a lot of times where I've been uh, all over the place in, in one given day, but uh, th that's how I got to Hood River. Um, when uh, 
and I worked at Hood at Pheasant Valley from 2004 uh, through 2006 vintage, and then 2007 um, in the winter of 2007, um, I talked with uh, had a conversation with Steve Bickford of Mount Hood Winery. Steve and I were high school classmates, and uh, he said we he wanted to upgrade his facility and and upgrade their wines and would I be interested in, in moving in with them mm -hmm. and I happily did so. Um, at the same time we were making wines for uh, Phelps Creek Winery which started in 2006, Phelps Creek Vineyards and the, so in 2007 at Mount Hood Winery I made Viento Wines, Phelps Creek and Mount Hood and we did a couple other we we're still doing Viento and Mount Hood, and we do some custom projects uh, still at Mount Hood, mm -hmm. uh, different labels, and, and things are going well there. Have I forgotten anything? I don't know. So, yeah. You um, definitely got all of the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's and it's just really cool seeing seeing the development in the wines here in the gorge. Um, the early wines in the gorge were a little sketchy, um, but they're they're solid now. We've got mm -hmm. some skilled winemakers. We talk um, a lot more dedication to farming. Uh, I'm not a good farmer, but my son Joe is, and but I've sort of uh, taken care of that. You know, I'm a better winemaker than farmer, but I go buy grapes from friends who are really good farmers, and and so that. That's the whole secret behind a good wine, is the, mm -hmm. the quality of the fruit you're bringing into the cellar door. Right. Mm -hmm. So for this area, um, I know there's a Wine Growers Association now. Mm -hmm. Have you been involved either in this area or back in McMinnville with any of the Wine Grower Associations or um, some of the entities like Oregon Wine Board? Um, I was on the research committee for the Oregon Wine Board oh, many years ago. Uh, I'd, I'd have to go look things up. Um, I've uh, given uh, talks at Oregon State with Barney Watson's class on uh, winemaking. I've been on panels there. Um, I've given a presentation, two presentations to ASA, ASEV meetings on uh, uh, using barrels in winemaking in the Northwest. Um, I've worked with a French cooperage since to, uh, 1996 and continue to do so. So I know a little bit about the barrel side of it also. Um, I've been the Oregon representative for the Columbia Gorge Wine Growers Association and my son Peter is the current president of the CGWA. So yeah, there are quite a few things. We're doing uh, the Gorge Technical Group. Um, we're a Hood River Chamber of Commerce member and uh, part of uh, Gorge Owned, which is a go local is their, mm -hmm. is their tagline, sort of. And I, I really believe in the local aspects here. We don't have to go as far away for fruit. Um, we've got a nice uh, tourist base here. Summertime, it's crazy, but I love the tourists. It, it's fun to see the dynamism that they bring to town. Mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe you don't get through town quite as fast because they're gawking as they're walking across the parking or the crosswalks and things like that, or or you can't find a seat at your restaurant when you want to. But that's great. You know, winter times are calmer, mm-hmm. and it, it's just a beautiful place to live and to be. Um. Looking at the AVA for this area mm-hmm. um, and much of the gorge, it's it's by state, cross state with Washington and Oregon. What would you say some of the strengths and challenges are of having it be a cross state region? Um, I, I love working in the the by state appellation um, because it, this is the Columbia Gorge. Mm-hmm. George Washington is not the Columbia Gorge. Hood River and White Salmon and out towards the Dalles, that's, that's the heart of the Columbia Gorge. And I'm just so proud to put Columbia Gorge Appalachian on our wines. Some of the wines, vineyards we work with, uh, for example, Chucker Ridge is just outside the Gorge AVA. It's in the Columbia Valley, but that works too. We're, we're proud of what we do here. Um, there, there are some challenges in, in Mark presenting the wines, but it's more like it's harder for the Oregon side when we have an event in Washington. How are we going to get our wines there and pour them legally? Or we usually can't sell them legally. Washington folks have the same challenges when we do an event, uh, an association event in Oregon. But it all works out. Um, also, it's kind of amazing. Um, I made Pinot Noir from Underwood Mountain Vineyard, which we can step outside here and almost and see across the river and uh, it would be really hard if I had to put Washington Pinot Noir on the label. Mm. Uh, it's a great Pinot Noir but I'm, I'm happier just to put Columbia Gorge right. than Washington on the label. So I probably shouldn't be that taken with that but I am. It's not the first time I've heard that. Uh-huh. Okay. And in fact some of the other um, winemakers that we've spoken to having Columbia Gorge on the label is such a, a better selling point almost, mm-hmm. I think is what I heard, mm-hmm. um, to be known for the region versus a state. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of it, the, the wineries are really going to have to establish their own identities here because the gorge is so diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, we are really focusing on single vineyard wines. We do a couple blends, but some of the blends are from single, single sites and uh, try to be very uh, minimal in our, my winemaking approach. The more I'm in it, the, the less I want to do to a wine. Mm-hmm. I want it to, to really reflect the, the place that the grapes come from. I, I know pretty much right now what our Riesling grapes are going to taste like this year. And they're just fermented in stainless steel natural yeast. I've given up using enzymes and everything on my wines. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do that for clients as needed, but for Viento, we're just trying to be as simple as we can and, and really let the, the site and the fruit show through. Mm-hmm. So some folks in the gorge are in, in doing blends and, and some are bringing fruit in from, you know, eastern Washington, farther away. That's I think we should focus more on, on just what we can get here in the gorge. We've got it all. We don't have to go very far. So just show it to, to its best advantage, and right. it's quite an advantage. Right. How have you seen this area of the wine industry evolve? 
Okay, it, it's the first. It was the increase the professional or, or farmers are being really on top of what they're doing. My favorite example is uh, Jack Brady and Joe Brady at Underwood Mountain Vineyards. They're literally across the fence line from Celilo Vineyards. Celilo was planted in 72. Um, Underwood Mountain Vineyard was planted in 1988, I believe. And, uh, and they're making up in being just fastidious farmers, what they don't have in Rick Ensminger's experience at Celilo, but they've done a beautiful job with trellising, understanding their soils, mm. um, going through and figuring out that some, some varietals won't do well there, and so they've taken those out um, and planted other things like Gruner Veltliner. Uh, I was talking to Jack Brady one, one day and he said, well, and I'll have some of this, you know, about getting some Pinot Noir. And he said, well, I'll have some Gruner Veltliner this year and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Had he said Cabernet Franc or Tempranillo, I wouldn't have been interested. But I said, of course they'd be interested. You know, it just seemed like it should suit the site. And it, and it did. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people here now are, are really considering the site when they're selecting their cultivars. Um, we're learning about how important slope, slopes are in the gorge for frost protection more in the fall than anything because we can get early frosts here. Um, and, and then the winemaking group that's here now has, has kicked their game up a notch or two and it's, it's going nicely. Out of all of your experiences, if you had to do one thing over again or do something differently, what would it be? Or what was a great lesson learned, I guess? If I could go back in the time machine, I would travel more. Mm. I would travel more. Um, when I was first starting at Chateau Benoit, um, Rollin Souls at Argyle Winery was a roommate of mine at Davis. We, we shared a house there and that, that was wonderful. Uh, Rollin was working in Australia. He said, Rich, you ought to come on over. And I uh, said I'd love to and I was getting ready to do that and then I, one thing led to another and we couldn't do bottling. It, it just works like that. So I said, well, okay, I, I've got to stick around and get the wine in the bottle, you know, in, in April instead of February. And so that took care of a trip to New or, uh, Australia. Um, I'd like to do more travel in Europe when I was there. I did uh, Germany and, and France and, and a bit of Italy, but I should have explored more of France and more of Italy and down to Spain. That, that's what I'd like to do more. But so, when uh, when the tasting room is up and running and the boys are taking care of everything, you know, maybe there's still a trip or two to be had and continue to learn and just enjoy life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Let's talk more about some of the winemakers that you've helped get started. Okay, um, it's been really rewarding to me just um, helping new or baby wineries get established and we've gone through many many of them 
and um, it's wonderful to me to see that a lot of the folks that I've worked with are still in the business and, and doing beautifully, beautifully well. Um, Rollin Souls used to come stay with us when he was when we lived in McMinnville and he was first scouting out locations for Argyle and he was a classmate at Davis and so he's in a whole separate category and he's done everything on his own but first time he came to Oregon I think was in a, a summer road trip with us from from Davis up to Oregon and that was pretty cool and uh, so Rollins always been a special friend here when I when I first started uh, um, at uh, Chateau Benoit, we had uh, there were some partners there, and it was uh, um, David Teppola went on to start Laurel Ridge Winery. Um, Bob and Corrine Gross started Cooper Mountain Vineyards, and I helped both of those operations get going. Um, at Laurel Ridge, I worked with uh, um, Chris Dowsett. He was in high school, and now he's a very well-respected winemaker on his own in Walla Walla, and has Dowsett Family Vineyards. And, he was 15 or 16 when I met him. Wow. Um, Paul Gates followed me at uh, uh, Laurel Ridge um, and worked with him for a while. Then I moved on to uh, um, Edgefield Winery. Uh, Jay Summers uh, was a brewer at Edgefield and helped in the cellar. And uh, he has the Jay Christopher label, of course, and works with uh, Ernst Lusen also, so uh, I was at, uh, when I was winemaker at Flynn Vineyards, uh, Michael Stevenson, who was at Panther Creek, was uh, uh, assistant winemaker, cellar rat the first year we started. Uh, David Autry from Westry uh, worked mm -hmm. at Flynn for a vintage, and Gary Horner from uh, now at Erath did also, so that's cool. Uh, while I was doing that, um, I was also getting Cooper Mountain, uh, managing Cooper Mountain. Um, Melissa Burr was uh, worked with me in 2000, maybe vintage, and she's doing beautifully at Stoller. And we still stay in touch and taste together regularly. Um, Tyson Crowley worked with me at Cooper Mountain. Um, uh, who else? And then. Uh, uh, we helped uh, team, Tina and Mark Hammond get Privé Vineyards going. Um, I've worked with Steve and Kelly Styring at Styring Vineyards in Newburgh. We still work together. Um, I helped Autumn Wind Winery get started, the Tom and Wendy Kreutner. And that's now the site of uh, Patty Green Cellars. Uh, so, and then here in the Gorge, we've helped uh, um, Ziegler Vineyards started. We ran a Dry Hollow Winery, our vineyards, and I'm still making wine for a, a friend in a joint venture for Zinfandel on a new vineyard out of the Dallas. Yeah, his is called Heart Catcher. That's Alan Busaka, who's mm -hmm. quite well known in geology and viticulture circles. And uh, his vineyard is called Volcano Ridge. He's a partner with Lonnie Wright on that. And so that keeps us going too. It's, it's just the, the dynamism of it all. And now meeting you know, having my son in it and meeting, you know, a whole new uh, generation of, of people coming up. I never thought I'd be the old guy, and I'm still not, but <laughs> I've got a little more experience now. Right. Yeah. So, so I have a follow-up question to uh -huh. that. 
especially because you've had such a wealth of experience helping get people started and many of them are still successful mm -hmm. in the business today. What does it take to get started? What is it like to start a new winery or vineyard? Could you speak to that? Um, I, you have to have a vision and you have to be driven. I mean, you, you have to really want to do it. You suffer a bit at first. Nobody I know has come at it with a, a, a big fortune, turning a big fortune into a small fortune. I certainly have not been doing that. I've had, you know, I've consulted for three or four wineries in a given year from Troutdale to Rickreal to Beaverton to McMinnville, all in the same year while we lived at the beach. So, um, you have to put in the hours and, and, and get it going. I think it's there's more shared knowledge now than when I was first starting. I, I can't believe some of the mistakes I made when I was a baby winemaker at Chateau Benoit. But I don't make those anymore and most folks don't do that anymore either. But starting wine, it, it takes a, a vision and a, a drive to do it and then I think you really want to choose a good location that suits your personality and the grapes you want to work with. That's why we're lucky in the gorge is because we can, a lot of people have different visions here, mm -hmm. but we have the different grapes up and down the gorge to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I'd you know, want to be a Cabernet winemaker sitting, starting a new winery in Dundee or something, but who would do that anyway? That, that's what it takes. The money you can you can find you can start small and I think maybe the best uh, the best uh, format is to stay small stay personal stay connected to both the grapes you're working with and know your wines intimately mm -hmm. and uh, and then know your your customers too. Still, the the most rewarding part for me is is the winemaking. It's creative. I try to know my wines know where they started, know where they're going. I don't try to force them to be something they don't want to be. So that, that's, that's what I believe in. That's a great answer. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, to speak more about the diversity of wines, um, especially in this area, and, and how would you market those wines? Mm -hmm. it, it's been fun in Hood River bringing wines to market. Um, I had uh, when I was at Edgefield, a lot of their wines were put in, in kegs. Um, they did it with a beer. We started doing it with the wines. They held up beautifully. Um, and I never really thought about doing that on my own until I was approached by the Jan McCartan from the Hood River Inn, um, which has a very nice wine list. And she was wondering if there was a way we could do more glass pours and not lose the last bit of wine in the bottle or if, wonder if it was fresh or everything and I said and so we started talking about putting wine in kegs and now since uh, 2007 Viento has been putting wine in kegs wow what's 2007 um, putting wine in kegs and we're selling them to restaurants and we're up to uh, we keep around um, 500 cases of bottles from being recycled or reused just in local restaurants because of our, our wine and keg program. We are also have a huge uh, 
following of the wedding venues Ooh. here in the gorge. They love wine and cakes. It's easy to set up, easy to clean up, um, and anything we can do to make it easier for the the brides and grooms will be do do that. Um, so that's been fun. And then one other thing I'd like to touch on that uh, we've discovered. Uh, um, I made fruit wine. I made pear wine for Pheasant Valley. They were organic pear farmers and they wanted a pear wine. So I made pear wine. I got a gallon of pear juice to start with and so I did the five ferments on that one gallon and did a little science. So the science helps the art. Um, and made pear wine and I make some pear wine for Mount Hood Winery and the Gorge White House. And, and one thing is I do another, you have this beautiful fruit in the Hood River Valley, mostly pears, apples also. And uh, as of, uh, so I was sort of intrigued by the idea of cider. And in, uh, well last year, 2013, we formed a new company between the Cushman family, Viento, and the Bickford family at Mount Hood Winery, and we call it Hood River Cider Works. Mm -hmm. And we've been uh, uh, bringing wine, uh, cider, uh, hard apple cider and hard pear cider, and uh, oaky or barrel fermented cider to the market um, in kegs, and using fruit that would be, just go off for being processed into dog food or, or uh, Food byproduct, you know, additives and stuff like that. But it's it's perfectly sound, beautiful quality fruit, and it's local, and we can turn it into a, a lovely, lovely cider, and, and that's been ex very, very well received. The only downside is that we ferment all the time now. So every month since uh, uh, January or December 2000. 12, we've been fermenting something, be it apples or pears, and then the regular harvest season we do the grapes, mm -hmm. the real wine. Sort of. <laughs> it, cider, it's a wonderful thing, and it's nice to be part of that, that wave that, that's here, and mm -hmm. it, it's so well received. And, yeah. um, is there anything else that you'd like to touch on? Uh, I, I think we've covered things well. I'm, I'm, so thankful and happy to be back in Hood River where I grew up and, and that it's a family business and I'm still healthy and happy and active and I, I just want to keep doing this as, as long as we can mm -hmm. and I'm happy we'll have a, our doors opening to present wines to our friends and, and have some nice dinners and parties and good times here and introduce people to the gorge and our wines and everything that can be enjoyed and done here. Yeah, this is a remarkable place and I'm happy to be here and appreciative of it, so. Good. Well, best of luck to you thank with the you. opening of the tasting room Thanks. and thank you so much for your time. You're absolutely welcome. We'll do it anytime. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. 
The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.